The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are solely those of hosts and guests. The view and opinions do not necessarily represent those of Memorial Healthcare System, Joe DiMaggio's children. Hello everyone, and thank you for joining us on Healthy Parenting, pitched by Joe DiMaggio Children's Hospital. My name is Jason Grant Henriquez, and with me is my co-host, Bahati Banks. Hey, Jason. Bahati. <laughs> love how you say my name. It makes I love, me smile. I love your name. <laughs> so hello, everyone, and thank you so much for joining us today on Healthy Parenting. Since February is known as the month of love Aww. in the States, Aww. we wanted to welcome today's guest, Dr. Celine Hamilton, our newest uh, child and adolescent psychiatrist at Jodi, to today's show to talk about how parents can teach their children the art of kindness. Oh, Yes. Absolutely. It's important. It's important and it's overlooked and we don't ever do it. And I am, you know, no problem admitting that I don't think I've ever had a conversation about kindness or how to be, you know, empathetic or sympathy. I just, you know, assume it's something you, it's a learned behavior. Yes. You know, it's modeled. It's modeled. Which we'll get into. Oh, yeah. For sure. Um, Before we get to today's guest, we'll spend a few minutes during our coffee chat talking about what types of kindness makes you happiest. There's more than one type of kindness? There is more one type of kindness. Really? Yes. Really um, fascinating, actually. All kindness makes me happy. <laughs> and, and that is pretty much the takeaway, that regardless of what what you do, how you do it, when you do it, any act of kindness is good for you. Absolutely. It can make you happy. Absolutely. Before we move on, here's a word from Rispa. Hi, I'm Shannon, and I'm a child life specialist, and you are listening to the Healthy Parenting Podcast, pitched by Joe DiMaggio Children's Hospital. The Joe DiMaggio Children's Hospital team has every medical specialty a parent could want and the expertise every child needs. So when it matters most, trust the experts in pediatrics at Joe DiMaggio Children's Hospital. Welcome back. Before we get to today's guests, Bahati and I will discuss what's making news in the parenting world. All right. So up today, up for today's kindness. coffee chat. Yes, kindness. What types of kindness makes you happiest? So I didn't know that there were different t- kinds of kindness. That's why I'm glad I do do a little bit of research. I mean, there's, there's examples of kindness, you know, kind words, kind yes. gestures, yeah. kind actions. But, yeah. but I didn't know that, like, there's types of kindness itself, yeah, like levels yeah. of kindness. So studies have suggested that people who spend money on others are happier and, have, and may have uh, reduced blood pressure. Studies have also shown that volunteering, obviously, can mm-hmm. improve mental health over time. And I could totally see how that can happen. I, the times that I have volunteered, mm-hmm. I felt amazing. I have felt happy. Like, like a euphoric feeling? Not so much euphoric, just like you've contributed some, to something that's greater than fulfilling, you are. That's then. very, Maybe, very maybe fulfilling. fulfilling, okay. Even if it's something as simple as sorting food at a, you know, at, at a... Um, at a, um, food bank, a kitchen, or a food kitchen, bank, yes. um, or sorting clothes. It's just, you get away from like the rat race and right. the drum of like the daily goings on of life and right. when you I volunteer. Guess, I guess doing something you, because you want to, not because yeah. you have to right. or for a paycheck. Exactly, oh. exactly. So, but the question lies, are all types of kind acts equally rewarding? That's that's a good question. Yes. So a recent study published in the Journal of Social Psychology discovered that all types of of kind acts are good for us. Um, Over 680 adults from more than a dozen countries uh, were broken up in this study into four different groups and asked to complete one kind act daily for a week. 
So this could range from helping neighbors, your friends, your family. Um, it could be writing thank you cards, paying for someone's movie ticket, oh. even practicing self-kindness, like going for a walk by yourself, meditating, dancing to your own music, Rhythm. You're like your favorite <laughs> you music, bobbing. which I love to do. A lot of people love to do that. Um, as well as observing acts of kindness, which I thought was interesting, not actually physically doing a kind act, mm -hmm. but just looking Watching at people, um, pay someone a compliment or do something nice for someone. So they were broken up into these different groups wow. and participants who performed any of these kindness activities became happier compared to the control group who didn't perform any acts of kindness. So I thought that was really interesting. Like I said, t later today we'll be talking to Dr. Hamilton about the art of kindness and how you teach your kids mm -hmm. kindness. but. Really, anything you do, anything, whoever you do it to, whether it's a stranger, you know, sometimes, you know, I'll give money to a homeless person mm -hmm. or, you know, sometimes you may buy an extra coffee, you know, if you're in the drive through well, 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 you know, there was like a, I wouldn't call it an epidemic, but it was a wave of people <laughs> yeah, yeah. paying for the person Passing behind it, them. Paying it forward. Paying it forward. Yeah, and, yeah. and they were doing it. It was like it happening at, at, I don't know if it was a McDonald's or a Starbucks. It was happening at a cross for a while. Yes. And as sweet as it was, it was it was upsetting. It was upsetting? <laughs> it was, it was, because you're paying for somebody else and that person's paying for the person behind them, person behind them. So the person, the cash register is like, okay, you know, oh, see what I'm saying? So it, yes. <laughs> they had okay. they applauded the effort of this but then they had asked if you guys could you know please <laughs> stop slow it down, slow it, down. it was slow it was it a down. huge thing that was going on i remember if it was a starbucks or a mcdonald's but I, it was happening a lot and i, I actually did funny. it um when i used to, back home um i paid for someone's uh bridge toll because i'm originally from san francisco so i was constantly going back and forth on the bay bridge mm -hmm. And one day I did, but I was like, just pay for the next two, three people in behind I me. I did something very similar actually a, good. Cu a couple of weeks ago. Um, it was like a, it was a very, um, it was like a dollar fifty toll uh -huh, or something. Uh -huh. All I had was a twenty, and I, and I, yeah, yeah. Jesus, and I was like, that was really so. I was like, the um, whole twenty because because like the look of the person's Aww. face, like they either didn't have the change or they didn't want to break it, and I said, you know what? Just you wow. know, keep it and just like like just deduct it and and keep, we keep it going. Oh my gosh. So I would hope that they did do that. By the way, I always want to make it very clear. I <laughs> right. hope they did do that. You don't but, know if it But it was happened. it was I only had yeah. a twenty and oh. and it was one fifty and I just the look on their face like oh man a Thank twenty. You. I said you know what don't worry about it. Just you can have people all day. So just deduct wow. it from it and then go from there. That's so cool. So that, that was very was, kind of you. It was it was kind, but I also felt really bad because <laughs> like the, their face dropped. They're just like oh. <laughs> It <laughs> was on a turnpike. Oh uh, yes, yes, headed north. They usually have a lots, lots of money rolled up already. Yeah, but it was, it was, it was an awkward time. Uh, time, oh. like it wasn't during the day. It was oh. like, like it was. We're talking about like four in the morning. Oh, or no. something. Yeah. And okay. and it was, yeah. I was, I was coming back from north, and I was like, yep. So how'd you feel? So, how'd huh? it make you feel? Uh, Besides twenty dollars. Well, you know Bless. what? The twenty didn't really bother me <laughs> okay. at the moment because I, because you know, I've been there. Like you know, yeah. you, uh, you know, somebody's handing you a large bill and you're just mm -hmm. like, I, 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 don't have this yet. What am I, what am I gonna do? Mm -hmm. You know. So no, I felt good, but it wasn't more so good because I'm probably paying for the next yeah. six people. Yeah. But because it was, it was an act of kindness to the worker. I didn't want to stress this person. Mm -hmm. It was early, mm -hmm. and I, and I concocted a whole story in my head. This half an hour before they have to leave, they probably <laughs> shut down the stuff. They they don't have anybody. <laughs> <laughs> I created a whole story in my mind That's as I so drove funny. as I drove by. Uh -huh. So I felt great because I hopefully made 
I would hope the end of their shift yeah. less stressful. Yes. You know, and and yes. um, it sounds like you did. So, well, <laughs> I tried. I definitely tried. <laughs> that was very sweet of you. Very kind. That's a great discussion. Before we get to today's guests, here's a word from our sponsor. Patient and family-centered care. At Joe DiMaggio Children's Hospital, it's the difference you notice. It's what you feel. It's how we care. And it's why we've been recognized as the world's first designated person-centered children's hospital by Plaintree. When it matters most, trust Joe DiMaggio Children's Hospital. Learn more at jdch.com care. Hi, I'm Bruce, security here at the hospital, and you're listening to the Healthy Parenting Podcast, pitched by Joe DiMaggio Children's Hospital. Welcome back, and thank you for tuning in to the Healthy Parenting Podcast. Today's special guest is Dr. Celine Hamilton, a child and adolescent psychiatrist for Joe DiMaggio Children's Hospital. Dr. Hamilton, welcome. Thank you so much for having me. I'm happy to be here. Oh, we're happy to have you here. So, Dr. Hamilton, as the newest physician to join Joe DiMaggio Children's Hospital's Child and Adolescent Psychiatry Department, could you share with us what you're looking forward to most in your new role and why you chose to come to Joe D? Well, what I'm looking forward to um, most in joining Joe D is uh, a combination of two things. One is joining the world-class physicians um, who work here at Joe D. Um, that's super exciting to me. Um, but obviously, equally important, important is um, working with the children who come to Jodi for their care. Um, Jodi provides such fantastic care for both their patients, actually, and the physicians and staff mm-hmm. who work at the hospital. Indeed. So why did you choose to come to South Florida? Well, I'm originally from uh, the New York area, mm-hmm. and... Uh, the New York area is chilly. <laughs> Just a tad. And then uh, after I uh, did my training in, uh, in New York, I moved to the UK, which also is, is cold. <laughs> um, and I wasn't able to practice medicine there. And I decided because of that, I was able to choose wherever I wanted to go uh, in the United States because I decided I wanted to come back and practice here mm-hmm. um, where they appreciated me. <laughs> 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 and uh, I decided that because I have two small children, I wanted them to be able to have an outdoor lifestyle. I wanted to be a, in a place that was the same um, time zone as my family. Um, and so that ruled out California and ruled in Florida. Mm-hmm. So you wanted them to be warm. I wanted to be warm. That's a motherly comfort. And then I, so I looked around and I found Joe DiMaggio Children's Hospital and I said, that's it. Bingo. And I looked, there was a position open. I sent in my resume and I said, please hire me. (laughs) (laughs) And the rest is history. The rest is history. (laughs) And you literally have only been here for like two weeks, right? Well, we we landed in Florida December 16th Uh and I started work on January 7th. Wow. Very new. Well, we're so glad glad you're here. Welcome again. Welcome, welcome. Just Thank absolutely you. Absolutely welcome. You're going to have so a wonderful excited time to be here. here. Thank you. <laughs> Excellent. So since today's episode is about uh, kindness, now normally you think that, you know, most infants are born as a blank slate. Are we pre-genetically disposed to, to be altruistic or uh, are we born good? Well, it's a very interesting question. Um, lots of people, when they think about little children and being good, they think of the toddlers who grab and say, mine, mine, mine. Um, <laughs> But there is a huge amount of research into the behavior of children, and there's so much research on altruism and empathy in children um, because, 
you know, we do differ from all other mammals. Um, we can behave in an altruistic way. Um, children as young as one um, are capable of being helpful. You'll find that they'll get something for you, pick, pick something up for you. Uh, children a little bit older will hug you or pat you if you're crying. Um, children are naturally um, helpful and can be uh, empathetic. This behavior, however, is um, really influenced by the kind of input they get from parents. Um, and that's uh, really key in a trajectory of a child um, because they start out with a certain ability, um, an innate ability, but that ability needs to be nurtured and fostered over time. So this is that classic nature versus nurture um, mm -hmm. Argument. So would you say is 50-50, or is it more nurturing, or is it more you know natural, and just it's got to be given a little 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 boost every now and again? I'm going to take the fifth on that one. All yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> um, it you know that an that question will never be answered. Of course. Um, however, there is there certainly is a tremendous amount of research um, that indicates that positive uh, modeling by parents yes. and the community um, have a, a tremendous impact on um, the ability of children to develop pro-social behavior, um, empathy, and altruism. Mm -hmm. Because when you think about just like human nature in general, we like to mimic other mm -hmm. people. Mm -hmm. We see like I'm a girl child and my mom is doing certain things or she speaks a certain way. I sound just like my mother because I <laughs> wanted to sound like her. I didn't want to sound like other people. So we mimic quite a lot. We do. We, we begin socializing children at a very early age to um, be polite, be kind, share, um, say please, say thank you. Mm -hmm. um, and there are pros and cons to that, obviously. We want children to be themselves, express themselves, um, not be forced into a particular mold of who or how to be. Um, but children um, have lots of different qualities. Absolutely. And one of them is flexibility and a plasticity that we can really um, you know, take advantage of in creating um, the kind of society that we really want by by encouraging positive prosocial behavior. So, um, with that said, in terms of research, there other studies have shown that by the fourth grade, so that's around uh, mm. seven ish, eight ish, those natural instincts to be nice and kind and helpful, at some point that shifts and kids become more concerned with themselves. Why do you think that is? Well, I think that what it is is that children begin to um, take more notice of, of the world and they have more um, understanding of the role that they play in the world, the roles that others play in the world. Um, it's not necessarily that they're more um, self-centered or that their empathy or altruistic tendencies have waned, but there's a lot more input. Mm -hmm. um, as they develop, 
they are having to juggle lots of different things. What's, what's good for me? What's good for other people? How should I behave? How should other people's behave? They have a lot more influence from peers. Um, there's so much more information um, that they're taking in that um, those pure behaviors um, can be a little bit diluted. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So as it, as they're they're growing and it's becoming more you know self absorbed, there becomes a struggle between you know receiving and giving kindness. Mm-hmm. So uh, can we talk about the impact that might have on a child's feelings of happiness? Obviously, a person who is the recipient of kindness mm-hmm. um, is going to feel good, right? Right. It's, it's something that it's always pleasant when someone is kind. Well, absolutely. To you, right. Um, it doesn't necessarily predict that that is how you will behave, mm-hmm. right? Um, and children who, children and adults who engage in acts of kindness um, in studies have been shown to to feel to feel happier, to feel better about themselves and about the world. And um, it's one of the reasons that it is. A goal. It's one of the reasons that uh, we should certainly consider as parents and as citizens um, encouraging children to learn how to be kind to others because actually it will help them be happier people and adults. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It's interesting. You said when just because just because you receive kindness doesn't mean you're going to reciprocate that Not kindness. Necessarily. Right. That's so true. Not necessarily. I never really so thought about. Yeah, well, it's true because you know basically you have to when you're giving kindness out, you know. You have to get over, I guess, with that selfish mentality of you mm-hmm. know of yourself. So, but if you can, sp- not necessarily spin it, is not the right way. But if you can emphasize the fact that doing something kind, mm-hmm. you know, makes you feel good as mm-hmm. well. Mm-hmm. It, it can it, you can be you know giving, but you're receiving as well. Right, so. right, right. So parents don't necessarily sit down and talk to their kids mm-hmm. specifically about kindness. We actually probably should do that I, more. Uh, <laughs> I, I can honestly say that even though my children are very well behaved yeah. and very kind and polite, I've never had that talk with them. Right. It's, not it's a, interesting. It's not like a conversation that most parents have with their kids. But when and how should moms, dads start teaching their young kids about kindness? I think that parents should begin um, teaching their children about kindness um, as early as they can, um, but n- not in a sit down, let's, now let's talk about mm-hmm. kindness, right, you right. know, it's 730. It's kindness talk. <laughs> exactly. So um, as I was doing a little bit of reading about, um, about the topic, um, I was pleased when I read um, about talking to children about how their behaviors um, make other children feel. And um, when when children have playdates, for instance, mm-hmm. and um, they say or do something hurtful, and they're angry with one another, and you know they're both standing with their arms crossed, frowning at each other. Um, when I have seen that in, in my children, I, I get down at eye level and I say, think about how that's making your friend feel look at her face look at her eyebrows they're you know they're drawn together um how do you think she feels about that how do you how do you think you would feel if someone said that to you so that the child is able to put themselves in the other child's position and we want to try and have children 
try and empathize with other people and try and be able to put themselves in that person's shoes and have and, and understand what's in the mind of that other person. Um, do that that as an exercise can really help children um, be kind, mm. right? Because they they can recognize what in themselves what it would feel like if someone was unkind to them. So I try as a parent, when I see those kind of interactions, I, I get down at eye level and I say, you know, look at your friend um, or let's think about this situation. How do you think they feel when you say something like that? Um, how do you think you would feel if somebody said something like that to you? And yeah. so it's not like you sit down and have, you know, a fireside chat about kindness, <laughs> but in those, you have teachable, teachable moments. moments. Right. Um, and it's, you know, if, if, you know, if you say something harsh and your child starts to cry, or if you're a teacher and you say something and you see your student is upset, you can say, you know, um, you know, obviously, you know, this, this is upsetting. I, you know, I'm sorry, um, being able to recognize when you've hurt someone. And, and so it's all actually about modeling behavior, mm -hmm. right? Setting so the example. Exactly. So there are a lot of ways that parents can model behavior for their children. Um, oh, before you, yeah. before you uh, get into the, the list of modeling behaviors, you said something really important, and this is something I learned years ago. You said, get down to eye level mm -hmm. when you're talking to your kids. And I don't know if a lot of people understand that. Could you explain that concept? Well, I think that getting down to eye level with children um, enables them to feel seen. Um, they spend so much of their life looking up at adults right. and being spoken down to. Um, and I think that being down at eye level with them helps them to really engage with you. When you're looking into someone's eyes, there's more of there's a connection there, and they they can really, well, they 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 feel that you're really seeing them and hearing them when you're down there with them, and that you're taking the time out to get down there with them and speak with them, um, you know, face to face. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's, it, I think it's a really important way to gain a child's attention um, and their focus and to help them feel seen and heard. And I, I find that I tend to get um, a better response when I am at the same uh, eye level with mm -hmm. children. Thank you so much for explaining that because I don't know if that's something that people just naturally do. They don't it's kind of unnatural to do that. Mm -hmm. You do think of like... Well, yeah, because most of most adults, <laughs> you know, they talk at children, right. not with children. Exactly. So, yeah, exactly. I, I definitely see the, the benefits of, you know, kneeling down and having a conversation with, mm -hmm. not at. Mm -hmm. yeah. mm -hmm. Well, it can also diffuse a situation. You know, if you sit down cross-legged on the floor with them, it's mm -hmm. less threatening, <laughs> true, right? True. They, they feel like you're joining them. They love it when grown-ups sit down and join them to play. And, you know, being down there on the floor or near the floor or, you know, just at eye level, yeah. it's more equal. So there are lots of different ways that parents can encourage um, kindness and empathy in children. And so it's not uh, a script of activities that you need to do. And I'm hoping that our listeners will recognize a lot of what they're doing um, you know, and maybe find a few extra tips um, in in what I'm going to say. Um, 
We are all ears. <laughs> <laughs> so the, the first the first one was really just um, encouraging children to recognize the the emotions of others, um, and this and, and an important um, aspect of this is, for instance, with this with this huge bullying culture. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, if you know a lot of children witness it, um, and sometimes it's hard for them to. Um, to manage it, and um, it's helpful for them to understand or to think about how a child who's being bullied feels mm-hmm. um, and how they might feel. And this um, kind of ties in with being able to harness anger, right? Because a person who's bullied is is likely to feel angry. Mm-hmm. Um, and a child who's seeing someone be bullied can also feel angry. and. Anger is not necessarily a bad thing. Mm-hmm. It can be harnessed to do good. And so a child who um, witnesses negative things um, can do something about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so one of the things we can do is, is you know, help children uh, recognize their feelings and the feelings of others um, and, and recognize anger as a feeling and as a feeling that can be used for good. Mm. Um, so we want to, um, you know, since since I talked a little bit about anger, um, it's it's really important to help children um, self-regulate, um, and so you know praise them for feeling calm or patient. Absolutely. Um, and you know, help them recognize that they're angry, accept that they're angry. If a child is having a tantrum, I know you feel really angry right now. I know that you're very upset, and and that's okay. Um, sometimes children just want to have that acknowledged. Mm-hmm. It's funny you say that because my my oldest, you know, he had some, uh, you know, anger, you know, mm-hmm. and and I'd always tell him, you know, it's okay to feel your feelings, but you're in control of of what you make them do. Mm-hmm. And I would say that to him over and over again. You know, I'm not saying you can't be upset. I'm not saying you're not you're wrong to be upset. What I am saying is you're absolutely in control with what that that, that outrage mm-hmm. makes you do. Right. Um, and as a, as a strategy for for uh, children who are not my patients, but as you know, for instance, with my own children, you know, if if a tantrum is happening, my per- my personal strategy is to, you know, express that I, I understand that, you know, that you're very angry and I'm very upset. And, you know, I offer a hug or a cuddle. That's my my first way of managing it. Um, not every parent does that, but mm-hmm. I find that my children respond to um, empathy mm-hmm. and and um, affection when they're when they're upset and angry. Um, so if your children respond to that, take advantage of it. <laughs> <laughs> um, so other things um, we can treat our children with the kindness and respect that we expect them to exhibit to other people, right? We, we say thank you when they do things for us. We say please when we, you know, want to ask something of them. Uh, we respect them as people, and when they feel respected and heard as people, they, you know, will hopefully learn to model that with others. When they see us um, be thankful, respectful, grateful. You know, we, we do hope to treat them to have manners and respect and, and kindness for others. It's hard. Some people believe that, you know, you don't need to force your child to say please and thank you with everything. Right. Um, you know, do you, can you force gratefulness from a child? Um, you can't. 
Um, and, <laughs> and, you know, this is all within reason, but it, it is important to, to grow up with the ability to express gratitude to other people. So modeling it and encouraging it um, is, uh, is important. Another important um, strategy is perhaps not rewarding every act of kindness that your child um, mm -hmm. does. Yes. <laughs> um, it's a very fine line um, between rewarding every act of kindness and having your child expect a reward yeah, every like, time they're kind. Yeah. Um, yeah. We, we want children to experience pleasure um, from doing good things. From just the act, right? From the act of doing good things and not because they get a hug or a kiss or a good for you or thank you, but just because being a kind person and doing kind things feels good in and of itself. And that goes back to what the original question, like are we just born altruistic? Right. You know, when you're altruistic, you do things out of the just because they're good they're just mm -hmm. they're just nice things to mm -hmm. do you're not expecting right. someone to reciprocate right. on that level right. every single time right. <laughs> so, yeah. and it's hard um, it's very difficult to teach children or humans altruism mm -hmm. altruism is doing good um, almost to the detriment of yourself right mm -hmm. without any regard to you know to any benefits to yourself mm -hmm. um, and it's a complicated topic really to get into but to to hopefully get as close to that as we can um you know we can model altruism so another way to to do this um is to have your child volunteer or see you volunteering right because we can um we experience the pleasure of doing good things for others we experience um, and practice that that empathy muscle, right? By putting yourself in that other person's shoes mm -hmm. and thinking, well, how must it feel to have been displaced? Um, or how must it feel to, um, you know, not have uh, where to sleep at night or not have um, enough food to eat? Mm -hmm. um, or to have a serious medical illness, for instance. Mm -hmm. um, speaking of which, um, people, children and adults who have medical illnesses, who volunteer, actually do better, right? Mm -hmm. So it's something um, that we wouldn't really think about. A person who's medically ill is tired. There's, you know, they might be in pain. Mm -hmm. um, they might be struggling, but actually volunteering and, and doing good for others helps them too. Mm -hmm. um, you know, because we often think about, oh, volunteering for people who are ill or, or um, not as, as well off. Um, and, um, but actually it, it, it helps all of us. Mm -hmm. um, so another, um, another strategy we can have uh, is having clear boundaries with children, mm -hmm. right? So children like to push boundaries um, and they, they like, to, and that's their job, mm -hmm. right? <laughs> is to- and That's um, how they live on the edge. That's, that's right. That's, that's their extreme sport. <laughs> that's right. Pushing us as far as humanly possible. <laughs> and, um, so what we like to say is to be authoritative, but not authoritarian, right? Mm. So we have clear boundaries of what's right and what's wrong and what's acceptable and what's not. And, um, but children respond well to that. They need to know their place in the world. 
um, and that their parents love them, but but know that they need to have guidance. Of course. Um, and so um, that's important. Um, with that in mind, um, having some responsibility is good. Um, having a sense of responsibility and accomplishment for a child, um, for instance, in having some chores or activities in the home, helps them feel like they're contributing to the good of the family and the running of the household, and they're you know they're having a positive uh, benefit um, to your mini society at home. Again, I'm I'm not going to get into the massive controversy of uh, do we <laughs> do an allowance based mm, on yeah. <laughs> performance of chores or performance in school academically because every single family in the world will have a different perspective on what has worked for them as a child, mm-hmm. their grandparents, yes. and their parents, and what works for their children. Um, but the key is um, participating in family life by joining in in the household, um, whether that means by having a little monetary reward or having the family get a night out or just enjoying that feeling of being a part of something is really important. Those are some really great tips, I think. (laughs) I have a scenario for you. Okay, so, you know, we're not having the fireside chat with our child, but, but we realize that our child is old enough to know you know, how to empathize and, and, you know, sympathy. And they just say, I refuse. They don't care about how their kids think uh, feel. They don't care about how you feel. You know, this is what I want to do. This is how I feel. This is how I want to act. What do you do in that, in that circumstance? What would a parent do? What would you tell a parent? I think a parent in that situation is going to be very frustrated. Um, and uh, I think unfortunately in that situation is that persistence is a virtue, right? And, um, you know, in working, for instance, with children who are developing real conduct problems, real antisocial behavior, the most important thing is consistent, consistent, and persistent reinforcement of pro-social behavior, reinforced um, positivity around every positive behavior. it's a rare child that really doesn't care about other people mm-hmm. um, and um, or about the impact they have on other people. And with a child who's having, we're really struggling like you're describing, um, it's important to you know perhaps get them into therapy or get them into um, a group situation where they're learning pro-social behaviors. So for instance, things like, Boy Scouts, Girl Scouts, church groups, um, these kind of group activities um, form a sort of positive peer pressure um, in which they do, you know, they do lots of volunteering for good causes. They're helping one another. They get they get sort of points for doing positive things. Mm-hmm. Every way that you can reinforce um, that pro-social behavior is, is good. So it, it takes a lot of um, persistence. And starting young is a good thing. (laughs) Wow. I think one of the takeaways for me is um, it's important for you to encourage your child to get involved. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of times in in today's society, it's it's so easy to become isolated. Mm -hmm. Like you just kind of go to your room and you close the door and no one sees you (laughs) till Mm -hmm. dinner, if there is dinner. You know, Mm -hmm. it's just, it's, Something's happened uh, in our society where a lot of kids are just feeling 
isolated. Mm-hmm. Um, and they may be turning towards their the, the virtual wormhole, you know, into their smart devices and and just not even connecting with people, like mm-hmm. real people. I think even adults obviously are going through that obviously, as well. Absolutely. Um, but I think that was the takeaway for me. Like all the all the things that you mentioned, it was stay engaged socially. You mm-hmm. know, don't lean back <laughs> and and start to isolate yourself. It's when you are interacting with other people, engaging with other people that you right. remember that empathy and kindness is oh. important. It is, it is, and it's it's a very good point that not being afraid of the emotions of others, that really engaging with them on a one-to-one level, thinking about how people feel in all these different situations is um, a key way for children not just to um, overcome isolation and to make friends and to be part of a community, but to just to help them, um, you know, be kind people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, uh, communication? Oh, communication yes. again. Communication, <laughs> there yes. There we go, communication. Motto, yes, for sure. For <laughs> well, Dr. Sure. Hamilton, thank you so much for joining us. You gave us a lot to digest, a lot, a lot of information. Is there any, like, you know, last thoughts you want to give our audience before we wrap up? Communication? (laughs) (laughs) Communication is definitely key. And I think it's important not to be afraid of your emotions and not to be afraid uh, to talk about them. And if there are struggles, not to be afraid to seek help. Um, And if that means, you know, talking to a therapist, talking to a psychiatrist, these are people who are fun to talk to, children like them. (laughs) Children love to have someone to listen to, uh, listen to them. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think being open to uh, the emotions of others is what fosters uh, kindness toward others. Um, And if we're struggling with our own emotions, um, you know, we need to seek some care and kindness for ourselves. And that can be um, seeking out family or friends or therapists um, and, and communicating. Thank excellent. you so much, thank Dr. Thank you Hamilton. so much, Dr. Hamilton. Really appreciate you having excellent, come excellent. To us. Yeah. And thank you for joining us on the Healthy Parenting Podcast. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or your favorite podcasting app, and like the Joe DiMaggio Children's Hospital fan page. <laughs>